الجزيرة بودكاست 80% of people who murder journalists go unpunished. Reporters like Al Jazeera Shireen Abu Akli are targeted simply for doing their jobs. So what should be done to combat impunity and ensure journalists are safe? I'm Fully Batibo and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Well, let's now bring in our guests for today's Inside Story in Haifa is Salsan Zahir, a human rights lawyer who has represented Palestinian cases before the Israeli Supreme Court. In New York, Jody Ginsburg, president of the Committee to Protect Journalists. And in Oslo, Ai Chang Nang, editor of the Democratic Voice of Burma. He was given the Committee to Protect Journalists Award for Asia. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you very much for joining us. Salsan in Haifa, let me start with you if I can. Shirin Abu Akleh's death was the most high profile in a long list of Palestinian journalists killed by the Israeli military. Before I ask you about her specific case, can you tell us first whether her killing and the international attention that is drawn has in any way changed the way Palestinian journalists are treated? Um, well, uh, good evening to you and uh, and everyone. Well, uh, I think that the case of Shirin Abu Akli, uh, with all the sorrow, of course, is not the only case of journalists that have been killed and assassinated uh, as Palestinian journalists by the Israeli army. Uh, we have uh, been viewing a lot of these uh, cases, unfortunately, of uh, hundreds uh, of jour Palestinian journalists being wounded uh, from 2006 until 2022. Uh, the UN has reported uh, more than 22 killings of Palestinian journalists by the Israeli army. In 2022, we have also another uh, a journalist other than Shirin Abu Akli. Mm. Uh, we can also give the example of bombing the Al Jazeera Tower in Gaza by the Israeli army in May 2021. And also just recently, actually, for today's international uh, day, uh, the Committee for Defending uh, Palestinian Journalists had issued that only in 2022, there were 637 Palestinian journalists that that were injured in one way or another by the Israeli army in the West Bank and in Gaza. Now, the issue is that the case of Shirin Abu Akli is unique on one hand. It's unique because it was documented on the spot. Mm -hmm. uh, Beth Salem, we know, had also contrasted the army's uh, narrative about the location of the uh, killing already from the first hour after the killing. There were uh, witnesses from the event itself of other Al Jazeera uh, journalists that were also injured together with late Shirin Abu Akli. Indeed. So the evidence, the documentations, and the videos make it a unique, a unique case. But unfortunately, the uh, protection of Palestinian journalists have not been uh, provided at all. And we see that, like Palestinian civilians, they are also being attacked in cold blood by the Israeli army without okay. being punished. There is no accountability. There hasn't been justice for many of these Palestinian journalists who've been killed, as you none, say. None, basically none. 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 in the case of Shireen Abu Akleh, her family uh, and Al Jazeera are calling on the International Criminal Court to investigate Shireen's killing. 
Do you think that can guarantee accountability? Well, uh, I think uh, the, and also, by the way, the Palestinian prosecutor had submitted another communication to the ICC on this case. Uh, but I also think that the only way in order to open a thorough, independent and international uh, investigation is indeed by opening it by the ICC, because there will be no other transparent uh, investigation that will be opened. And of course, the fact of uh, the mere submission of the communication to the ICC by Al Jazeera and Shirin Abu Aqsal's family is a political act. It's a political statement that basically uh, we, Al Jazeera, Shirin, all Palestinians basically, will not be silent mm. until justice will be done. And this is a huge political statement given the fact that in Shirin's case, there is tremendous witnesses that have been also investigated and examined by the UN Human Rights Rights Office, by the Washington Post, by the AP, uh, and by other uh, uh, by and by other institutions, and okay. therefore calling for this investigation, which will lead, if it will be opened, of course, because it's all conditioned and provided that Karim Khan, who the is prosecutor the prosecutor of the ICC, yeah. will indeed, yeah, will indeed uh, decide to open such an investigation, okay. which we hope that eventually he will. Let me bring Jody into the conversation. Jody, what do you make of this Palestinian strategy to use the ICC against Israel? Is that an effective strategy? Can, can it help protect Palestinian journalists in the future? I think bringing in international investigative bodies is really important because what we see in many of these cases, and the reason we still have this persistently high level of impunity globally, is because all too often... The very authorities who will be responsible for the investigations are also in some way implicated in the killing itself. And so it's very difficult to assure that there's going to be independence. So having some kind of international independent investigation into these cases is really important. But even in this, in, in a case like this, I mean, where Shireen Abouakli uh, is concerned. I mean, it's treated differently because of where it happened, isn't it, Jody? Yes, that's true. And we are, uh, we do not see the kinds of international pressure on countries like Israel that we might see in other areas. Nevertheless, we continue to call for both um, an ICC investigation, but also for a US-led investigation, because, of course, Shireen was a dual citizen. She was a US citizen as well as a Palestinian one. And therefore, the US has an obligation, we believe, to investigate this case as well. But, but can the US, as Israel's strongest ally, conduct a credible, independent investigation into this case, even if Shireen Abu Akleh was an American citizen, when you consider the political... I think the U.S. can conduct a credible investigation. What we need for them to do is, is be willing to conduct that investigation. Mm -hmm. That's where the pressure has got to be for them to, to, to carry out such an investigation. All right, let's broaden this out a bit now and bring in Ai Chang in Oslo. I, for the first time, Myanmar has appeared on the CPJ's impunity index. Tell us what it's like for journalists in your country working under military rule. Today, I mean, like since after the military coup on the 1st of February last year, um, the walk of Jordan is becoming very, very dangerous and risky. And it's in the uh, CPJ report 
um, number of journalists have been killed. Uh, the one that you mentioned in your introduction, uh, on the 10th December last year, a freelance photojournalist were killed in prison after he was arrested, two or three days after he was arrested. And basically what he was doing was uh, filming on the street, um, basically empty street, because at the day the opposition in Burma called for a silent strike, strike, meaning nobody go out on the streets. So he went out on the streets and took a picture of empty streets and he was arrested and taken by the police. And two days later, the police called his families, come and collect your son's body. They torture him to death. That kind of thing's happening throughout the countries. And today, over 60 journalists are still being detained in prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, 30 of them have been sentenced to imprisonment, including two of our journalists who have been sentenced for, from three years to six years imprisonment. Um, what is nowadays, the worst personal attack, I Chang? What is the worst personal attack you have faced? You're now in Oslo, but you were in Myanmar in the past. What was it like for you? Um, for example, like if I'm in Burma today, I would straight go into prison. Um, there is no way for an independent journalist to be able to walk in the country and at the same time without any kind of a danger or being in prison or even tortured to death. Um, we still have people on the ground, uh, my colleagues still inside the country, but we have to be totally an official undercover. Um, and if the minute that they are exposed, they would go to prison straight away. Mm. Jody, in New York, the struggle between governments that want to suppress criticism and the voices pushing back is not new. But the tools and tactics, it seems, of repression have evolved. Why is it dangerous, even more dangerous today to be a journalist than in previous decades, do you think? It's even more dangerous to be a journalist now because, we, as you say, we have so many more tools with which to suppress and surveil journalists. We've seen an explosion in the use of spyware. We've seen an explosion in the use of online harassment to discredit, demean journalists, journalists addresses being published on the internet, which then puts them in physical danger. So there's all of that, coupled with a, a great precarity for the profession, where we've seen increasingly even political leaders in supposed democracies smearing journalists, journalists as enemies of the people, um, as fake news. And that creates an environment in which journalists are extremely vulnerable. So we're also seeing them highly vulnerable, for example, at protests or at political rallies where ordinary people feel empowered to physically intimidate and even attack journalists. Mm. Salsin, tell us about your experience working with Palestinian journalists and what actions do you think can be taken today to make them more safe? Uh, well, uh, I think that, uh, first of all, having this uh, uh, day as an inter international uh, day to acknowledge the lack of impunity when it gets to uh, a, a attacking or injuring journalists is, is important in and of itself. Uh, not also to uh, forget that in March 2015, uh, the UN has also uh, adopted a resolution, uh, number 222, 
2022, uh, which basically uh, sets some criteria to the uh, special protection that should be provided to uh, journalists all over the world, especially journalists in conflict areas and uh, a war. Mm -hmm. uh, now, but if if I come and and address the situation of journalists in uh, of Palestinian journalists in in Israel and Palestine, uh, I, I think that there is a, a, a systematic a attempt of uh, attacking journalists and trying to silence them either by attacking them, injuring or even killing them, or by not even letting them do their job. And in many of these cases, especially where it gets to a physical attack and assassination, uh, there has been several uh, uh, demands to open a criminal investigation against uh, the army uh, uh, in, inside the Israeli legal uh, system. Uh, this is part of what can be done in order to get uh, criminal accountability. However, even the legal system in Israel mm. doesn't really provide a lot of help because even the, most of these cases are being closed. Right. Uh, either they are there, either they argue that there's no uh, witnesses or that there's no liability. And even when a lawyer wants or a human rights organization approaches and appeals the Israeli Supreme Court, also the Supreme Court gives uh, a backup to the closure of investigation by not intervening or interfering in the decision to close the investigation. So on a local So are level, there no recourses then for Palestinian journalists? Excuse me? Are there no recourses even if, 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 as you say, even the legal system doesn't treat these cases in a fair way, what recourses then are there for Palestinian journalists? Yeah. This is basically why it's important to uh, approach the ICC. In the, in the case of Shirin Abu Akli, we know that the family, and rightfully, they refused to uh, uh, demand an opening of an Israeli investigation in the case of her killing because the results of, the, of such an investigation were very clear. And rightfully, they didn't ask that and went directly to the ICC. So when, when we are able to show that the Israeli Supreme Court will not interfere, that the army... In in all the cases closes the investigation and doesn't provide any impunity for any of the events of the killing or the injury in these cases. It's basically an evidence to show before the ICC that Israel is not willing to do anything in mm. order to bring the perpetrators to justice. And okay. this is a very strong basis and argument when it gets to the ICC the uh, exhausting of legal remedies in the uh, uh, on the, in the local uh, courts in Israel, which shows basically that there is lack of political will okay. to investigate and to provide is, Jody, uh, accountability. Jody, is lack of political will the only reason you would say for impunity? It's not the only reason. It's one of the key reasons. A lack of resource and capacity so it requires trained investigators a robust judiciary for example that those are some of the reasons i think increasingly also we're seeing lack of international pressure and consequences it's incumbent upon all those countries that believe in a free press in the importance of freedom of expression to speak out publicly and take action when they see when they see other countries failing to take responsibility for the killings of journalists and increasingly we see 
governments failing to take up that responsibility. Mm. And it's not just government in so-called undemocratic countries anymore, as you pointed out before. It's also happening in, in Western democracies. Is there, is there a model today, a country that could serve as a model, if you will, to, to achieve justice for journalists, where it's proven that, you know, they, they care about journalists' rights and, and uh, press freedom? Is there a model today that other countries can follow? There's no individual model, mm. I would say. I think the key thing for the international community is that those countries, as I say, who've made explicit their commitments to media freedom speak out publicly when they see press freedom being limited in other places, but also take action when they see that too. And, and that, I think, can be the model right. to put pressure on those countries where we are seeing persistent high levels of impunity. IA in Oslo, the majority of media people killed over the past decade were working outside of armed conflict. So it's not just happening during war. How do we address the everyday safety challenges that journalists face, including, you know, relatively new forms of aggression like the ones on social media, as we discussed before? I think in case of uh, Burma, I mean, the, the, the biggest problem is uh, the police and the military that are acting against the journalists. It's basically following the order by the military leadership. So they have an impunity already there. And for the journalists, and there is no protection from any side. I mean, the, the judges, judicial resistant is still pretty much controlled by the military. And the lawyer uh, even being threatened with arrest if they're trying to represent the journalists who are in prison. And I, I, I the, the, the whole issue is, is since after the coup, now it's almost nearly two years. Over 2,000 people have been killed, including the journalists and ordinary civilians. And about 1,500,000 people have been imprisoned. And lots of villages have been burned down. Almost 20,000 homes have been burned down. There are gross human rights violations. Mm -hmm. And for the military, that's the main reason that they are targeting the journalists, because they don't want to expose any of these human rights um, violation by their soldiers, by themselves. And as Jody mentioned, I think the, the pressure from the international community is really important. Do you sense, do you feel that there's been enough in pressure from the international community on, on Myanmar's military? Not at all. I think there is only very limited sanction um, against the military regime. And, and I think our neighboring country, especially the member of the ASEAN country need to act a lot more than what they are doing right now. Um, we need a lot more pressure from UN Security Council, United Nations, the real concrete, tangible international sanction needed. And on top of that, um, there are about one half million people internally displaced person. And there is a current serious crisis with the humanitarian assistance. And and the military is blocking the international NGOs, mm. NGO to come in to assist. And that needs to be 
taken care very urgently. Right. Salsan in Haifa. Shireen Abouakli's case has international exposure, of course, and the backing of a powerful media network like Al Jazeera to go to the ICC. But what about kills journalists with lower profiles? How do we pursue justice for them? Uh, well, yes, that's a huge uh, issue because in what makes, uh, as I mentioned before, what makes Shireen's the case unique and strong, uh, not just on a, a, a political uh, a level or, or media level, but also on a legal level, is the fact that there were evidence from the ground at the time of the killing itself, uh, documentation, witnesses, and, and so on, mm -hmm. uh, which basically lack lack in a lot of the other uh, cases and then uh, we as human rights lawyer are are finding ourselves in a difficult situation because in many of the uh, cases the uh, uh, the evidence uh, are 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 on the hands of the Israeli army which doesn't uh, uh, especially when we're talking about bullets as a primary uh, evidence in these uh, uh, cases which doesn't provide the evidence to the Palestinian okay. side or to the lawyers Side. So there is a, a huge problem with it, but okay. uh, therefore I think that it will resemble a, a lot of the uh, justice that would be done in other uh, uh, cases of journalists being killed by the Israeli army. Jody, I'll give you the last word in New York, whether it's in Palestine or Myanmar. How do we combat impunity? We start by recognizing that as Salson said, journalists are people. The reason they are targeted is for the stories they're producing. And those stories are vital to all of us. They're vital for our ability to live freely in just societies. And recognizing that is the first step to making sure that these journalists have justice. Thank you all very much for a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Salsun Zahir, Ai Chang Nai, and Jody Ginsburg. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Inside Story. That's it for this Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Nu, Nihad Alibedi, Fungi Nguyen and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Sasha Andreevich. The program was edited by Andre Ustuysen, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts.